Alright, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing. Marty Griffin's taking the night off, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Johnny, how you doing? Fantastic. Good week. <laughs> week week five's in the books. Uh, MLB playoffs are rolling along. NBA's on the way. I guess NHL started. I heard that rumor. Yep, I'm wearing my jersey tonight. My dad's at the game. Uh, feeling pretty good. I'm on uh, media blackout at the moment because I'm going to go home, edit this thing, and uh, watch the game tonight. But so you got some injuries. Um, Malkin and Jugstad. Bukestad? Jug. Jug. <laughs> Jugstad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's early. I'm not, not too worried about it. You know, the first... 25 games of the NHL season are kind of like the first four games of the oh, NFL season. Oh, someone else may have said that a couple weeks ago. Hmm. No, I didn't say they weren't interesting. I just <laughs> said that they that I'm not worried about hockey the doesn't matter of... until January. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I'm I'm happy I have something <laughs> to occupy my time with. Okay. So uh, yeah. I think we should, we got a lot to talk about today, so we should probably just get right into it. Um, we all know, uh, let's not be coy on episode 36, who I'm going with for my number 36. Easy peasy. Uh, so go ahead, Johnny, and what are you doing today? Um, so for me, it was between Marcus Smart, current Celtic, and Rashid Wallace, former Celtic, albeit kind of brief. Um, Rashid Wallace ended up winning out for me, um, just because I think he had the, he's had more of an established career, he's more well-known, and he also went to my favorite college basketball school, which is North Carolina, and I really enjoyed that team, the Rashid Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse years, um, at North Carolina. Anyway, so my guy, 36, Rashid Wallace, is Rashid Abdul-Wallace. Born September 17, 1974, former professional basketball player, played 16 seasons in the NBA, native of Philadelphia. Um, like I said, Wallace played at UNC before moving on to the NBA in 1995. Uh, he was the fourth overall pick in the 1995 draft by the Washington Bullets. Um, only played there for two, one season, sorry, and then he moved on to the Portland Trail Blazers where he played for eight years. And then quick brief stop in Atlanta before moving to the Detroit Pistons in 2004 where he won a championship along with uh, Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups and that great Pistons team. And then from 2009 and 2010, he helped the Celtics reach the NBA Finals, but they didn't win the NBA Finals. Um, he was well known for his... Uh, his, his theatrics on the court, I would say, and the gray patch in his hair. He always had um, a discoloration in his in his um, you know in his afro. He always had the mm -hmm. gray gray patch on the back of his head, if you remember that. Uh, but on the court, he was kind of um, he wasn't nice to the refs. He always got a lot of technical technical fouls. Uh, got thrown out of a lot of games. He was um, mouthy guy. Very very mouthy. Um, so that's probably what he's best known for. Um, he was never shy to voice his um, 
opinion on matters within the team, about the league, and so that, I think, led him to be one of the more disliked players of his era, but I grew to like him, especially because he became a Celtic and appreciated him and the value that he brought to a team. Uh, He was a big guy, and so... You know, he did a lot of good things. He finished with 16,006 career points, averaging 14.4 points a game. Finished with 7,404 rebounds, or 6.7 rebounds a game. Um, so, very good player. Not a great player. Uh, won an NBA championship in 04. And that's my 36, Rasheed Wallace. All right. Thanks a lot, Johnny. I totally agree that basketball is a sport. Moving on to my 36, the bus. Jerome Bettis, uh, born February 16th, the day after my birthday, 1972, from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, He didn't even start playing football until uh, high school. Uh, He was diagnosed with asthma at the age of 14, so patron saint of asthma, uh, overcoming those obstacles for us, Johnny. I know we both suffer from that affliction. Actually, John, do you know what his original... Uh, sport was the like his his like secret i'm gonna go hoops hoops no bowling oh wow yeah he was he was a uh a very good bowler until high school at which point he started um using his size to knock the shit out of people and uh kind of like mookie betts mookie betts is a 300 bowler oh really oh you didn't know that i didn't know he that. he can be on like the professional tour he's actually done appearances he's that good of a bowler he's unbelievable wow that's unbelievable yeah, uh, uh, yeah well yeah uh, he and his brother used to make ends meet by selling crack cocaine on the streets of detroit uh so real uh real come up story at the university of notre dame notre dame notre dame Bettis finished his career with 337 rushing attempts for 1,912 yards. He set the Notre Dame touchdown record with 20 in one season, a record which still stands because Notre Dame sucks now. Uh, He was picked 10th overall in the 1993 draft by the then and now again L.A. Rams. In his rookie year, he had an NFL best 79 rushing first downs and tied the league lead with seven 100-yard rushing games despite not becoming the regular starter until the sixth game of the season. He was the only rookie that year to make the first-team All-Pro and was the offensive rookie of the year. Was traded to the Steelers in 1996 after Bam Bam Morris got caught smoking the weed In his first season in Pitt, he rushed for over 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, and was named to his second first-team All-Pro. He won the Comeback Player of the Year and was voted Steelers MVP for the season. He rushed for another 1,000 yards each of his first six seasons, and in 1997, Bettis rushed for a career-best 1,665 yards in the team's first 15 games. Uh, however, he was sat for the last game as the playoff berth had already been secured and finished 26 yards short of the team's single-season record set by... Franco Harris? Yes, sir. Um, one of my most vivid memories of Jerome Bettis, um, just aside from having him plastered everywhere in Pittsburgh at that time. You know, he's such a great guy, commercials everywhere. 
Uh, we even had a, a cardboard cutout of him in our uh, elementary school that you could take pictures with. Uh, a good time. But uh, Thanksgiving Day game uh, against the Detroit Lions in 1998. The coin toss. Overtime coin toss. Do you remember ah, that? Yes, I do. Referee Phil Luckett. You clearly, you can hear it over the broadcast. Jerome say, tails. And the guy's like, you picked heads. And we lose. And we go on. Detroit gets the ball. Goes down, scores a touchdown. We never see the ball. And uh, actually led to a new rule uh, being instituted where you had to call heads or tails before the toss rather than during the toss so that there wouldn't be any room for judgment or error. Uh, apparently they've done some hi-fi uh, remastering of the situation. And he kind of, I guess he kind of, I haven't heard it myself, but I guess he kind of gives a head-tail kind of, you know, he was saying heads first, so that's what the referee, the referee heard. But uh, who knows? Interesting. In 2005, he scored three touchdowns in a win over Detroit to clinch a playoff berth on the last game of the season. Uh, it would be his last game in Pittsburgh. Uh, that was our eight and eight year, where we um, wound up heading into the playoffs uh, on a long shot. Finished the season and his career fifth overall uh, in rushing in the NFL. After uh, the Steelers' defeat in 2004 in the AFC Championship game against... Patriots. The eventual champion, New England Patriots. Uh, Bettis had announced that he was considering retirement but would not make a decision for several months as to not let the sting of defeat cloud his judgment. Uh, he stated that he would love to play in... The 2006 Super Bowl, because it was to be played in his t hometown of Detroit. And it later came out that Ben Roethlisberger himself had promised Jerome that if he played another year, they would deliver him a Super Bowl ring. Um, that was almost not to be, though, where Bill Cower referred to uh, the bus. His nickname for him was The Closer because... He uh, never fumbled the ball. He was notoriously ball secure. Uh, the kind of guy, you know, when you think about those, the Steeler teams of that era where we would get a lead and then you just hand it off to the bus and he'll just matriculate down the field, deliver those hard hits, eat those valuable seconds off the clock and get your first downs. Well, against Indianapolis, at the end of the game, two minutes left, we go into, you know, the extended victory formation where you start handing the bus the ball. And he fumbles the ball. And uh, the guy's bringing it back. And famously, uh, Ben Roethlisberger tackled him. And they wound up missing a, uh, a long field goal kick uh, to lose that game. But it was to be that Super Bowl forty in Detroit, uh, probably one of the best walk-offs in sports. Uh, Jerome Bettis at the podium declared, I played this game for a champion. I'm a champion. And I think the bus, the bus's last stop is here in Detroit. Uh, I remember watching that on my TV. It was such a beautiful moment. You couldn't be happier, uh, you know, for a guy. It was, uh, it reminded me a lot of, um, 
Reminded me a lot of David Robinson winning the NBA championship uh, on Father's Day and just sailing off into the sunset. Just the the perfect capstone on a on a great career. Six time Pro Bowler, two time First Team All Pro, one time Second Team. Uh, 2001 Walter Payton Man of the Year finished with 13,664 yards, 91 rushing touchdowns. Professional Football Hall of Fame. My number 36, Jerome the Bus Bettis. All right, the Bus. Oh yeah. Sometimes when these these big guys come up, it's like you really want to do them justice. You know, you want you really want to say everything. It's so hard to encapsulate in just a, such a small period of time um, what they meant and what they will mean forever. You know, in the hearts of sports fans. Right. And. Um, you know, there's there's a Geico commercial with the bus on it. What, uh, fourteen years after he's retired, he's still relevant. And oh yeah, he plays flag football. Yeah, yeah. drags the guy around. Yeah. It's you know, so uh, such a such a likable guy. What a great story. You know, coming from selling crack in the hood to to being a Hall of Famer. So, all right, Johnny, let's uh, let's get into MLB real quick. The Postseason is well underway, and uh, we are currently watching uh, Game Four. Game Four of the Houston Astros versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Mister Kate Upton is currently pooping his pants. Yeah, this is a stunning development. <clears throat> As <clears throat> excuse me, since Verlander's been with the Astros, he's been absolutely dominant. Three runs allowed is. <clears throat> tied for the most that Verlander has ever allowed in his entire career in any postseason inning. And his 32 pitches is the most he's had in any inning this season in the first inning. So the Rays definitely jumped him early, and he's come out for the second inning, but the Rays are up 3 to nothing, looking to tie the series up two games to two and force a deciding game five, which would be on Thursday. And, of course, Garrett Cole, who had 15 strikeouts in Game 2, would go on regular full rest in that game again. That game would be in Houston. Um, coming into this game, I expected Houston to end it, so I'm a little surprised here. And if it does go 5, and even if Houston advances, what what will have happened is that then the Yankees have already advanced by sweeping the Twins three games to none. So the Yankees are at home resting. And the Astros, even if they do advance, will have used... Verlander and Cole if they have to go to a game five so they'll have used their best two pitchers and they won't be able to use them till likely games three and four in the next series so, so they won't thus, be able to use them twice well or on short would be on short rest depending on how long the series goes so this is a clear advantage no as far the longer that this Astro series goes if it goes the max and they're having to use their two ace pitchers it's an advantage for the Yankees going forward and nobody wants to see that <laughs> Certainly not you. No. And if the Rays advance, oh boy, what a story that would be. Yeah. I think everyone's, everyone has expected Houston to play New York. I mean, it's been fait a, a fait accompli since the start of the season, pretty much. Ever since the Red Sox started out slowly, everyone's assumed it would be Astros New York to fight, fight it out to go to the World Series. And it looked like we were headed that way because the Astros had their two games to none lead, and then the... The Rays come back and fought hard yesterday against Granke and pull out a 10-3 victory. But you're like, all right, that's just one game at home. They pulled it out because they've had a good season. Didn't think they would get to Verlander today, but 
so far, early on, it's 3 nothing. Um, we'll see what happens. It's only the bottom of the second inning. Yeah, a lot of game to play. In the National League, we have two Game 5s going tomorrow, which is exciting. The Cardinals-Braves series has been phenomenal. we got two of the best pitchers going against each other tomorrow. The, probably the best pitcher in the National League, Jack Flaherty, going for the Cardinals. At Atlanta, who's pitching Mike Fultonavich, who pitched... Uh, seven innings of no-run baseball in his start against St. Louis in Game 2. So that'll be an excellent Game 5. It's pretty much a toss-up according to Vegas. The line is even. In the other series, we have a potential huge upset on our hands with the Nationals and the Dodgers tied 2-2. Two to two, And Steven Strasburg is going up against Walker Buehler, another insane pitching matchup. So, you know, the... Dodgers were clear favorites to make it out of the National League. But the Nationals, as we've seen, they have the pitching and the talent to get it done. They just have never put it together, never winning a postseason series in their history. With all the years where they finished in first place in their division and all the expectations, and they've suffered, you know, brutal loss after brutal loss, playoff year after playoff year. And now this year, they're big underdogs to the Dodgers. And they're giving them a fight, and they have a fighting chance tomorrow in Game 5 in L.A. They waxed that ass yesterday, though, 6-1. to one. Yeah. So, I mean, Bueller's going for L.A., Strasburg's going for Washington. I mean, how do you pick that? I, I would go L.A. just because they're at home, but would it surprise me if Strasburg dominated? No, not one bit. Let's and not then, let the L.A. hat on your head uh, sway your judgment at all, either. Well, I mean, that's what I'm rooting for. Yeah. But yeah, Strasburg could easily go in and shut them down. He didn't. He didn't in the last game he pitched. So we'll see. Alrighty. Uh, anything else to say about uh, predictions going forward? Um, I'm rooting for the Cardinals. I don't know Cardinals Braves. I I don't know. I think I love Jack Flaherty, but I guess. A better watch for a series would probably be the Braves against the Dodgers. So I don't really care too much who wins that one. And the other one, I'd prefer the Dodgers, but the Nationals would certainly be a good story. Just because year after year, they've failed to live up, up to expectations. You know, all the years where they had Scherzer and Strasburg and Bryce Harper on their team, and they never did anything. They always choked in the playoffs. So to see them kind of get it done and beat the mighty Dodgers and knock them off would be a good story, I think. Don't mm-hmm. you think? If the Nationals, the Cardinals, and the Rays advance, whoa, boy, does whoa. it, boy, does <laughs> it really just write the story for the Yankees to be able to take this one home? I know the Yankees looked really good against the Twins. The Twins finished the season with 101 wins, only what two less than the Yankees, and that was pathetic, man. I was just so embarrassed by the Twins. I feel like, come on, They man. just didn't show up to so the So they've lost 13 straight postseason games now against the Yankees in the 2000s. Like, 13 straight postseason games. Are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. And they can't cry like, oh, we're the, you know, the sisters of the poor because, you know, we didn't have the payroll or the talent to get it done. They set the all-time Major League record for home runs in a season this year with 307. So they had the hitting. They just didn't get it done. They were outscored in three games by a combined aggregate score of 23-7. to They just... 
they just didn't show up and they made bad pitching moves, you know, with the pitchers they did have. They started an Uber driver game two in New York and, <laughs> and even though he has a 4.99 Uber rating, he looked like he was chitting himself on, on the mound in Yankee Stadium. He had no chance. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I'm a little pissed off at the Twins for not putting up any kind of fight whatsoever against the Yankees. Like, win one game, you know? <laughs> but I digress. Yeah, it it sucks when the when it seems like the writing is on the wall for a team that you hate. <laughs> Must be how it is with non Patriot fans. Ugh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, moving along. Um, hockey has started. That was hockey talk. <laughs> <laughs> Big early season game tonight. The two and O Bruins are at the two and O Vegas Knights. All right, well, we'll just move right into the week that was. Uh, Johnny. What's up? I had a I had a little bit of a scary Sunday. Why? Uh, watching my second-string quarterback unconscious on the field for, like, oh, over yeah, a minute. Right. I told you you would give the Ravens a game, too. Thank you. They should have had it. Man, you must not like Juju anymore. That's two games where your season has been season-defining games, and Juju's fumbled for you in yeah. critical moments. That's directly cost your team the game. It's it's really tough because you know Juju's my favorite player. You win this game, you you like Cleveland lost last night. They got killed. They look like terrible. So you would have been two and three, but held the tiebreaker. It would have been right. you would have been first place in your division. But now season's over. Well, Same thing as last year. Season was season, season was, was over, over after once you uh, lost to the Saints last year. Season was over t- two weeks ago. And no, yeah, no, it was. It, wasn't. it really is. You had the Ravens, John. You tell John. yourself that, but season season's over when you can't win the championship. We could have made the playoffs. That would have been fun. Yeah, but that would have been overachieving for the team yeah. that we have. I remember, yeah, the Matt Castle year. That's what I was rooting for. Just make the playoffs. And they almost did. So, we can still almost make the playoffs. I mean, there's a lot of holes in the Ravens, and there's obviously a lot of but your a lot defense more holes is good. Than, we thought than the Browns. Our defense is good. Um, I think, I don't think there's going to be a ton of drop-off between Mason Rudolph and Mr. Duck, Devlin Hodges. Yeah, I might agree with you on that. Uh, in what fact, I think, I, think, I think Hodges might be able to see the field a little better because he was moving the ball. Um and he was he was hitting open receivers, and Mason had been uh, kind of famously missing open receivers. But I don't put a lot of stock into you know this this notion that Juju is ball insecure. He's he's had two fumbles in his three years of being a Steeler. It just happens to be that both of those fumbles. It's, it's certainly the fumble last year. Very inopportune. Well, this one too. You beat the Ravens. You were moving the ball. You were past. You were about to be past midfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fucking sucks. It totally sucks. But this is the this is the kind of thing that is going to keep Juju Smith Schuster from being Antonio Brown. Yeah. It, it is these experiences, this this humbling in his for in his formative years, that is going to keep him from being. The megalomaniac, uh, you know, diva receiver. That's going to keep him honest and um, 
you know, this is this is the year for that. I'm all about giving this team and giving these young players a lot of reps and a lot of experience because we got two years left to Ben Roethlisberger, and who knows what he's going to look like coming out of that elbow surgery. His head's and, not going to fit in the helmet. <laughs> he did. He did look. <laughs> it was tight this rather year. Rather swollen. Yeah. This year, um, although I will say, I was very concerned about Ben's arm in in the first game against New England, and I I was actually a little bit relieved to hear that he had some major uh, elbow issues that needed surgery uh, because it. it you know, you could see it was not there. Uh, so we'll see if he can come back strong. Maybe we'll get a little bit of the Rookie of the Year coming out of surgery sort of thing. You ever see that movie, Rookie of the Year? Yes. Yeah, with the kid with the crazy arm. Yeah. <laughs> Breaks his arm, comes back. He's yeah. got the, the slamming fastball. But, um, I, you know, I like what I'm seeing from the Steelers right now. Uh, I know we just kind of, like, dove headfirst into the, into the Steelers because it was... It's been dominating my mind uh, since since this game happened. But I, I I feel like this is a true bridge year for us, like w- where we can get everybody reps, live reps, things you can't you can't replicate in practice, and we're gonna get the the we're just sharpening. This is this is an extended preseason till next year, okay. and I feel good what I, about what I'm seeing from my defense. We got the most uh, most turnovers in the league right now, and uh, looking to have the most uh, most sacks. So I like what I see from Devin Bush. That interception. Do you see that interception? No. Ball bounces off the receiver's chest. Devlin's like jumping over him. Basically, does a front flip, captures the ball. And uh, does like a somersault on the ground, keeps control, uh, and winds up coming up with possession. Uh, I thought they did a great job containing the run, containing Lamar Jackson. Uh, and and what's your take, Johnny, on Mike Tomlin electing uh, to kick after winning the toss in overtime? Well... Yeah, I, I'm not opposed to strategies like that when it comes to the overtime because I've seen Belichick do that before too. So, you know, it's kind of just trust. I I trust in Belichick. In Belichick, we I trust. So right, you know, whatever, not necessarily whatever he sees. Then I, I'm down for it because he sees something. I mean, the guy's in, Belichick's insane. So if Tomlin saw something, not maybe comparable. he saw something. Not it's maybe I, it's, it's not comparable. It's but not comparable. when it comes to coaching, coaches make some decisions. I mean. You know, if it was me, I would just take the ball. But but I will say this: Do you want to have Justin Tucker kicking off to you, where he could place a ball directly at your five yard line, a high kick, and you barely have the chance to return it? You know, Mike Tomlin chose to put his best unit on the field first. Yeah, and it worked out. Yeah, it did. Well, yeah, it would have. Yeah. It, it well, it, that part of the plan worked out. Yeah, and, it would have uh, worked out. Yeah. So I've, I feel very encouraged by everything that I'm seeing. It's one of those things where a bounce this way, a bounce that way. If uh, Ola Adini doesn't get called for that absolute bullshit rough in the passer where he was absolutely not tackling below the, below the knee and hit him just about at the same time the ball was leaving his hands, 
you know, this we're not even talking about this. I mean, that was the that was a second and eight. The defense had shut had shut them down up until that point. You know, I I believe it's possible that they wouldn't even been able to to drive down and and kick that field goal. So, um, you know, I think we're a bounce or two away, and 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 a lot of the question marks that we're having in regards to the secondary or uh, the linebacker position, those have been answered this year in the way of. Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick. So uh, I feel great about the Steelers, even you know, and it's hard to say that about a four or one team, but I, I I really do. One and four. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> one and four. I wasn't talking about the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Which uh, all right, so let's get into the week that was. We did talk a little bit about the Steelers game because that's what was pressing on my mind. Of course, well, the um, first game of the week was awesome. First game of the week was awesome, but I do want to mention quickly that was uh, a contested pick. I thought Baltimore was going to wax that ass. They did wind up winning, but Pittsburgh covered the spread, so good for you, Johnny. Yeah, no, I had a real good week picking games as far as my spreads thing goes. You're first in our league now. Am I? Yeah. Yeah, I had a good week. Do you know who's in third place? Who? Ya boy, Nesto. Are you, are you really? I'm in third place. Wait, so uh, Brian went down? Brian's in second place. All right. You're in first place. Brian's in second place. I told him I was going to overtake him this week. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and I'm in third place, surprisingly enough. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Well, close cool. only counts in uh, horseshoes and hand grenades, though, Johnny. It's, sure. This is a winner-take-all league, so. Right. All right, so. Rams at Seattle. This is the uh, Greg Zerline missed 44-yard field goal kick mm. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Wilson, unbelievable performance. Uh, this, yeah. this was just a, a great game to watch. So this is, what, back-to-back Thursday night games that have been really good. The week before, we had Eagles-Packers. And now this week, previous past week, we get the Rams with the Seahawks. The Seahawks won 30-29. to 29. Uh, The spread was Seattle minus 1.5. So if you had Rams plus 1.5, you sweated it out and you won. Um, but yeah, so the Rams moved into position late to kick a field goal. They took a, a delay of game penalty to go back five yards, but then completed a quick nine-yard pass to Gerald Everett out of bounds, set it up for a winning 44-yard kick, which Zerline is famously known for, you know, being one of the best kickers in the league. But as the kicking, Greg the leg, Greg the leg, as the kickers are in this league, they're a fucking nightmare. They just are. They are a nightmare. You so, can't trust anyone. So I think I, I have a theory on what's happened. I think the new rule around bringing the extra point back and the possibility of missing there has completely destroyed everyone's confidence. And, and everyone knows, like, kicking in the NFL is a lot like playing golf with a bunch of people who are trying to kill you. Yeah, you know, so it's a it's a head game with really oh, really sure. high it's stakes. It's a lonely position to be in, you knowing that you have what seventy thousand people in the stands that are living and dying by, and and millions more on TV and all your fans, everything that are living and dying by you missing or making the kick, and it just seems like lately over the last few years it's been clutch spots for the kickers have been fail 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 and. You get to a point, like, was it going to swing the other way, or are we just dumb with kickers? Yeah. 
<laughs> like, what's going on here? Because a 44-yarder for Greg the Leg, is that seemed like money in the bank. It seemed mm-hmm. like the game was over. Rams have a good Thursday night road win to go 4-1, and one, and instead it changes the division. Now the Seahawks are in first. No, they're not. I'm sorry, because the 49ers are in first place. But the Seahawks <laughs> now have the edge over the Rams, and the Rams are 3-2 and two in third place. So. Yeah, but the 49ers aren't actually a good team. Yes, they are. I'll give you my take on that later, though. Tune in later, and I'll tell you why Jimmy G and the Niners are a threat to be reckoned with. Anyway, so I thought Russell Wilson played a phenomenal game that day, that night. Um, Got to give it to the Vegas line makers too, calling yeah. it, calling this at one and a half, like, and it's a one point game. Yeah, like God damn, and it. it was close. So Wilson finished seventeen of twenty three, two hundred sixty eight yards. Four touchdown passes. On the flip side, Goff was not quite as as efficient, although he did throw for 395 yards with a touchdown. But he just seemed to be missing guys left and right. And even on the final drive, when he was leading them towards the go potential go ahead score, he was almost throwing interceptions on almost every single pass. So he is still one of the better in the in the upper half of quarterbacks in the league. But he's not. Elite. I don't think that Goff ever gets to be the elite level. Um, but like I said, on the flip side, Russell Wilson is clearly now in the MVP conversation, um, along with the Mahomeses and the Deshaun Watsons and the Christian McCaffreys of the world. All right, let's uh, let's head down to Sunday. Okay, Arizona at the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I got nothing. Jesus. <laughs> it was so I I do this thing now where we got the Sunday ticket at the bowling alley in town. Uh and it's a real weird scene there. Uh all of the outcasts of society who don't have the money to pay for their own football subscriptions wander down to the bowling alley and we all enjoy cheap beers uh amongst the crashing and the din of ch- children's birthday parties Ooh. and we swear at the TV. <laughs> Uh, together and there's a uh, a Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals fan there, and uh, as they scored the uh, go ahead or no excuse me tying run um, towards the end of that game, he was all fired up and excited, and then we all had to uh, remind him that he was rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. There were two minutes left on the clock, and they were most certainly going to lose. And sure enough, Kyler Murray leads him down, and with no time remaining, shocker, Zane Gonzalez hits a 31-yard field goal, which is less than an extra point, to win the game 26-23 to for the Arizona Cardinals, and they get their first win, and Cincinnati loses yet again. <laughs> uh, any notable performances from this game? I don't think so. Um... Kyler Murray has been decent, not great so far this year. It was Kyler Murray's first win. Got to note that. His first win, yeah. Uh, David Johnson's having a good year. Um, Christian Kirk was out. Larry Fitzgerald had six catches, 58 yards. Um, On the flip side, Tyler Boyd had 10 for 123 with a touch. Um, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's having a good year, and they're they're passing the ball a lot in Cincinnati. And I can I just. And maybe this is just me being a Steelers fan, but I fucking hate Andy Dalton. I don't know that anyone likes him. I just hate But the offense is better this year, and that makes for a more exciting Cincinnati game. I mean, let me tell you, you know this by more than anyone, seeing Cincinnati multiple times a year. Cincinnati games 
are one of the most boring types of football you can watch. And like, you get stuck watching I mean, a Cincinnati Von- game, you'd rather almost do anything on earth. When Vontaze Perfect and Pac-Man Jones were there, at least there was a chance you could see a murder. Right. But now but now it, they've been boring the past few years, predictable under Marvin Lewis, and now that the new head coach is there, at least the offense is exciting. Yeah. Or right. more exciting. Well, Buffalo uh, went into Tennessee, and man, defense is good. Buffalo, Buffalo's for real. Defense is real. Defense Buffalo is real. Is for real. But is the offense good enough? That's going to be the question. There's talk about Eli Manning potentially getting traded to Buffalo, but is that I gonna think help? no. I think I don't know. I think Buffalo is... They spent a high pick on Josh Allen a couple years ago. They're, they're going to see this through, I think, for the season. Are but they just trying they have to find a, a mentor for him? Like, maybe no, somebody... No, who... they just... They have a championship caliber defense, they think. And, you know, if Allen's not improving, then... But this is a decision they're going to have to make within the next three weeks. If they're going to trade for someone, a veteran quarterback or not, because... But I think they're going to ride it out with Allen. They gotta ride it out with Allen, and you know what? The I believe the schedule is tits enough that there's no way that the Buffalo Bills aren't a playoff, playoff team. team. Wait, repeat that statement. I as much as say it that. Don't just say exactly what you said. With there's the schedule, no ahead, way there's no way that the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills, Bills aren't, aren't a playoff, playoff team, team, given that they are already four wow. and one. Uh, I, I know, I know. It sounds it sounds fucked up, and I feel fucked up saying it, but... Quick rundown. They have... Versus Miami. Miami. Versus Philadelphia. Okay, that's a tough one. Versus Washington. That's a wash. Or, like, the... No, that's a win. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. That's a win. At Cleveland. That's a win. And maybe. At Miami, that's a Cle- win. Cleveland's a fucking bust. They suck, yeah. But they have talent, so if they figure it out, that's the thing. Cleveland, you just have to take with... with with a with a um, caveat of if they figure it out, you know, there's the talents there. I don't but can know. they figure it out? I don't know if kittens can figure it out. Though. I don't know either. You guys, he, he just seems like uh, a man who should be coaching four guys, not team of fifty three, like he did last year. Yeah. Then they got the Broncos, who are bad at home, terrible. Yeah. They have the Cowboys. That's at tough. Dallas, tough. That's tough. Then they got the Ravens at home. Eh. Who knows? Who Maybe. knows what the Ravens are by then? I mean, I feel like Kyler Murray's getting a little. Or Kyler Murray, I feel like Lamar Jackson's regressing. Hard. Yeah, and like, I, it, I, the more tape he he puts out there, the easier it is to stop him. Uh, then they have the Steelers. Hate to say it, but that's probably going to be good for them, given the, given the way their defense plays. That's going to be a battle of the defenses. That's going to be an awesome game, actually. I'm a little bit excited for that. December 15th. Mark then, your calendar. Then they have the Pats. That sucks. At and, New England. Yeah, and then they have the Jets. Okay, so if you take the win, guaranteed wins for Buffalo, which is crazy. Uh, <laughs> Miami, Washington, Miami, Denver is four, Pittsburgh, five. Jets six, and then you give them the Cleveland one. That's seven, plus the four they have. That puts them at eleven. Maybe they definitely make the who? Who else? Who May else? I present to you the Oakland Raiders. Oh, man. May I present to you John Gruden and his Oakland Raiders? Crazy, but we'll get into it. Okay. Let's get back to uh, 
the game. The, the, uh, that the was. Titans. I mean, who are the freak? Who are the freaking Titans? Who are they? Like, come on, man. Who are you? Just get out of here, you mediocre pieces of shit. Like, either suck so bad that you're rebooting, or be good, and like, but you, the Titans are just the, a perennial eight and eight type team every year. Yes, some years they go nine and seven, or seven and nine. But they're basically eight and eight every year, mm-hmm. and that's who they are, and it's annoying as fuck. I mean, at least I guess we know who they are, but they're hard to because some games they just show up, and then some games they just don't. And but you know, at the end, middle of the road, that's where the Titans will be. All right, so moving on from that game, we go to London, jolly old mate. Oh man, okay, so we were all fired up about Chase Daniel. Last week, um, but he sucks. He fucking sucks. <laughs> he definitely. And this sucks. was the Khalil Mack revenge game, man. Right? I don't know. Maybe maybe they had a little little jet lag or something. Is it the Khalil Mack revenge game? It can't be the Khalil Mack revenge game because they traded him two years ago, last year. But it's the first time that he's facing his former team, I former know, coach, the but... guy that traded him. And guess what? The Bears had no sacks. Not one. No sacks. And Derek Carr did not have Antonio Brown, which he hasn't had all season. And he didn't have his number one receiver, Trent um, Tyrell Williams. Sorry, But he did have rookie Josh Jacobs at running back, who scored two touchdowns, uh, ran for 123 yards. And the Raiders come out, and they beat Chase Daniel, the backup, and the Bears in London, 24-21. to And if you look at the playoff spots now, if the season ended today, after week five, almost a third of the way through the season, your number six seed... In the AFC uh, is no, the you, Oakland Raiders. You sent me this text at like 5.30 in the morning. Because I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, just, I was like, what is going on here? We're a third of the way through the season and the Oakland Raiders are a playoff team? What? Uh, it was It was After tough. watching Hard Knocks, did you see the Hard, the hard Knocks? They were a, a joke. Knock on some wood if you're with me. Knock on some wood if you're with me. This team's a joke, but they're... A playoff team, and and you got to give them points for that. So they won at the at Indy last week. And they dominated at Indy. They got out oh. to a huge lead early, and they dominated. This Bears defense is good. We know they're good. Everyone says they're the best defense in the league. And I'll know. I know we'll get into it later. But Indy also proved that they're not a shitty team this mm-hmm. week too. So, so uh, what are the Raiders? Are they something? I'm not ready to call them something. But right now they're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and I think uh, part of it was that they got they got out to an early lead. I believe it was like twenty one three early, and the yes. Bears clawed their way back into it. And this game meant a ton to Gruden too. You could see after the game with all his his dancing, and he was mimicking um, Khalil Mack's um, sack dance in the locker room afterwards. Like if uh, nothing else, no other win this season that the Raiders got. Gruden wanted this game because this was he their knows. Super Bowl. He knows, or he's heard all of the the media pundits and the shit talkers just railing on him for trading Khalil Mack, the NFL Defensive Player of the Year last year, away, and he's heard he heard all that. So this to go in there and it was Khalil Mack's revenge game, and for him to hear that and for them to the Raiders to pull together as a team, which is impressive for Gruden, and go and beat them, it's impressive. That's all. Raiders three and two. All right, Bears. Yeah, not looking good for them. They are. We said at the beginning of the year their schedule is super tough. 
And that didn't include the Raiders, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of, a lot of season left to go, and um, teams with robust defenses like that, you, you just can't, can't predict anymore what's going to happen. Okay, moving on. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans... A lot, lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Well, the, this division game and the, these guys, they always play close. They do. They do. The NFC South is a, has always been kind of unpredictable. You know, with Carolina, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, they all kind of play each other in tough, tough games because they know each other so well. And once again, Tampa Bay hung in there, down 17 to 10 at halftime. They weren't able to make it any closer after the half, and they end up you know, scoring a touchdown late to make it 31 to 24, but it really wasn't that close. But Teddy Bridgewater had a very good game, you know, throwing for four touchdown passes, 314 yards. You know, Michael Thomas, 11 catches, 182 yards, and two touchdowns. I heard, I heard Drew Brees is throwing the ball already. Yeah, he is. He is, but I don't think that they should rush him. So does this mean that the Saints are a. And Drew Brees is, is Drew Brees a system quarterback? They're four and zero without him. Three and zero. Three and zero. So does that mean that Brees is a system quarterback? Because I remember when Brady was out and the Patriots would win, they say Brady's just a system quarterback. So is Brees just a system quarterback? He might be. <laughs> I'm joking, but you just, you get my point. Wow, Johnny. JV's getting lit up for nothing. Tampa Bay, bottom of the fourth. Willie Adamas. Who's been clutch money for the Rays? I tell you, this guy he bats. He lo- He lays in the weeds at the bottom of the lineup and batting in the eight or the nine hole most days. But the guy rakes, young shortstop for the Rays, and they are fired up. They the Rays are like the cr- the crowd's crazy, and that's one thing. But the team itself is they're 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 ready. They're they it. look like they're ready to slay a dragon. Yep. Are they gonna upset the Astros? Can they do it? I don't know. Garrett, Garrett Cole's a different beast, I feel like, on regular rest. Hmm. We'll see. Let's continue on foot. <laughs> footballs. All right. Sounds good. Um, Minnesota going into MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants. Yeah, so this game got out of hand pretty early, 18-7 by halftime. Backup running back for the Giants, Wayne Gallman, got knocked out early with the concussion. And the Giants running game just, you know, never really got in the gear. And, you know, without a running game to speak of whatsoever, you know, so the Vikings were able to key on Daniel Jones. And he was only able to throw for 182 yards. He was sacked four times, thrown an interception. Uh, Of course, the Vikings continued their theme of running the shit out of the ball. And only letting Cousins pass between twenty and thirty times a game. Thielen t- got a touchdown though, and I feel. I oh feel yeah, like so Thielen was targeted eight times, caught seven balls for one hundred and thirty yards with two touchdowns. But let me tell you, Cousins still only threw the ball twenty-seven times, and that you know in today's NFL world that is low. But he was twenty-two of twenty-seven for three hundred yards and two touchdowns, so he had a good game in the construct of the offense, and he said. I'm only throwing the ball to Thielen, or at least every third throw was to Thielen. So. He just didn't want Thielen talking more shit about exactly. him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was basically Thielen or Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin Cook has really turned into a, a monster for the Vikings this year. 
Um, so I feel like we don't learn much about the Vikings in this win. It was a it was a good win. It keeps them probably in the ten to fifteen range of the NFL at the moment. So, and the Giants, we thought maybe they were a little bit better with Daniel Jones, and I still think they are, but they do need at least some semblance of a running game, and their defense is still pretty bad. So, you know, I think the Giants fans that were getting all excited the previous week, um, they got a, a little bit of a taste of um, rea- a dose of reality in this game. They certainly did. And the New York Jets heading into Philadelphia with Philadelphia giving up 13.5 points. Not an issue. 31-6. The Eagles um, limited Luke Falk to 15 completions on 26 attempts for only 120 yards. No TDs. He was sacked twice. No, he was sacked nine times through two interceptions. I mean, that is pretty awful. And then some something called... David Fales came in to play quarterback for a snap. What? Something called David Fales came in Ew. and took a snap at quarterback, and he got sacked. So that was <laughs> 10 sacks for the Eagles in this game to go with two interceptions. Um, your leading receiver was back from the dead, Demarius Thomas, who had nine targets, caught four balls for 47 yards. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was the only one who did any bit of anything in this game. Other than that, is he had 88 of the team's what, 150 total yards, so, um, I don't know what to say about that. Going back to the Eagles, they talked about Jordan Howard's going to be getting more carries going forward. He has looked good in Eagles uniform. Uh, Zach Roach got a little bit more action. Alshon Jeffrey's a little bit healthier. Um, I do wish Miles Sanders was more involved, but he's not, and until Jordan Howard struggles, fumbles, or gets hurt, we're not going to see much of the exciting Miles Sanders, unfortunately. Um, you know, be limited to about 10 touches a game from him. And Wentz was okay, but he wasn't really needed in this game as the defense kind of ran the day here. All right. New England had themselves another day against the racist-ass Redskins. Uh, slow start in this game as they gave up a 62-yard reverse touchdown to uh, a Stephen Sims Jr., um, there was poor tackling. Both the McCourty brothers each missed a tackle on this play, and the Redskins jumped out to a 7 to nothing lead, but from there on out, it was all Patriots as they finished off, finished off the Skins to a tune of 33-7. to Another Brady, scheduled win. Another scheduled win. Brady put up some uh, nice padded stats numbers uh, with 348 yards, three touchdowns, but he did have another uh, red zone interception like he had last week in Buffalo, which is a little bit concerning, but not too much. So it se- it seems like <sighs> everything with the Patriots, like on the surface, they're doing really well. And if it was anybody but but the Patriots, you could ignore all of these things. But are they going to be able to win a close game with Tom Brady's red zone interceptions and the? Uh, trouble in, you know, with, with special teams, uh, making sure that balls go through the uprights. The Nuge. Yeah, the Nuge's first extra point attempt was a, a fail he missed, but he did make his other attempts. But I don't think Nugent is going to last long with the Patriots, from what I know of Mike Nugent. I mean, it's just a, sc- a stopgap. Well, Guskowski's out for the year. Oh, he is out for the he's year. He's having hip surgery. Oh, I, di- I hadn't heard that. Yeah, he's done. 
So they need a kicker for the rest of the year. And from what I know of the years of watching Mike Nugent in the NFL, is he's hashtag not good. <laughs> so I and I don't think that he'll be along around very long. I think he'll probably miss more kicks on Thursday night for the upcoming game. Uh, maybe it takes one more game, he misses a few more, and then he's out the door. I don't think he is the long term or the solution for the rest of the year as far as kicker goes for the Patriots. Um, a positive that I did take out of this game was finally, finally, thank the Lord, you spent a first round pick on Sony Michelle. And they started throwing him the ball. You know, because once Sony Michelle comes in the game, what are the Patriots doing? Run the ball. They run the ball with Sony Michelle. But in this game, they threw to him three times. He caught they all, must have heard you, Johnny. all three times, 32 yards. Well, it just, what I was saying is it lends itself to being way too predictable of an offense. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get Sony Michelle involved in the passing game. Then you get the defense a little bit on its toes. But this could be one of those Belichickian themes where, you know, um, they establish a trend and then at a certain point go against that trend to create Maybe. an element of deception. Maybe, but now the other team has to prepare for it. Now you know that Sony Michelle can pass catch passes and it is an option. It's not strictly going to be a run when he's in the game. And he looked good doing it. He did. And in this game, he looked a lot better than he had. I know on the Pro Football Focus had Sony Michelle going into this game as last in the league in his elusivity, elusive rating uh, as far as all running backs go. And that's not good, especially if you're a first-round running back. But in this game, he was making guys miss. He uh, put together over 120 yards of combined offense, and he did have a, a rushing touchdown. Uh, granted, against the Redskins, but still, I thought he looked a hell of a lot better in this game. Edelman caught eight eight balls for 110 yards and a touch. Uh, Brady threw some balls to the tight ends. He threw six passes to the tight ends. They caught three of them, including a touchdown. And Josh Gordon had five for 59 in this game. Defense, once again, was phenomenal. They had six sacks and an interception. The only problem was that Steven Sims reversed play for a touchdown. But other than that, they were great. That's it. I mean, there's not much to take from this game besides Patriots beat bad team. So... Alrighty, um, moving right along to Baltimore at Pittsburgh. We already talked in length uh, about this game. Lamar his... Jackson can't throw the ball. That's been proven now. I feel like yeah. And the well, more last, that, last the week more especially, that he's forced to throw the ball, the better it is because they just need to stick to running the ball. I mean, and only pass when when needed because I feel like they're trying to make him a thrower and. It's not working, and mm. teams are saying, okay, go ahead, beat us. And I feel like there was some stat I heard where he is legit like four for his last 25 on throws over 10 yards mm. down the field. That's that's horrendous. That's really bad. It's, it's something along those lines. I don't know if that's the exact stat, but it's something along those lines. So you get Lamar Jackson throwing the ball past 10 yards. I mean, that's what you want. So Yep. All right, so uh, I just want to say one last thing uh, about this game. Um, my boy, Juju, had a had a rough ending to the game, but I think they hit on something, and I'm hoping that Devlin Hodges uh, can, can keep this going. But I've been saying this whole season so far that they got to start feeding their best player. 
you got to get the ball to your best player, especially when you have limited uh, talent to go out and get the ball. And they got Juju. Uh, he was 7-for-7 seven seven with 75 yards, one touchdown, and obviously the, regret- the regrettable fumble. Um, but they got they got to keep feeding Juju if they want to have any success at all. And, and, and um, I have faith that Devlin Hodges, at least for the next couple weeks, we got the Chargers coming up. Um, there was and- news for your team today, by the <coughs> way, too. Uh, Jalen Samuels had minor knee surgery today. He's going to be out at least a month, Tomlin said. Little little scopey scopey business. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, Jalen Samuels was good uh, aside from that fucking pick that he threw. Uh, like, I hope, I hope we never see the Wildcat. Didn't he? Again. Have, didn't Jalen Samuels have a big game against the Chargers at home last year? He did didn't they? He, he did, but we still lost that game. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, but I think I think we're gonna be okay with Connor. He's he seems to be sort of uh, hitting his stride. He had fourteen rushing attempts for fifty five yards, one touchdown, uh, a long of twelve yards, uh, and and a couple receptions as well. So looking forward to the Chargers coming up. Uh, but the next game and just a just a quick recap as far as the contested picks, Johnny from from your picks. You're uh, you're two and zero so far, so uh, no surprise there. Jackson at Carolina. Carolina wins thirty four to twenty seven in a home win. Um, in this game, uh, Gardner Minshew continued his dominance of the league, throwing for three hundred seventy four yards with two touchdowns against a good Carolina defense. Fournette. Continued his resurgent with another 100-yard game with a touchdown. And you got to um, like Kyle Allen's performance. Well, D- D- I'm getting there. DJ Chark Jr., the new rookie receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, is proving that he is he is for real. He had eleven catch, 8 catches for 164 yards and 2 touchdowns. And that now gives him... I'm sorry, it's his second year. DJ Chark's second year. He now has 27 catches... For 485 yards, that's 97 yards a game, and five touchdowns so far this year. Is that good? That's unbelievable. (laughs) So, yeah, DJ Chark is the man to own in Jacksonville. On the flip side, Kyle Allen's been good. DJ Chark. DJ Chark. (laughs) On the flip side, you get Kyle Allen having another solid day. Not great, 17 of 30. Uh, But... No is Christian though. McCaffrey going to be winning the MVP this year? He's got to. He's he's gonna he's on pace to break all the records. All the records. 176 yards, two touchdowns. That's just running. Alone. That's just running. Catching, he had six catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. That's like a good game running and a good game catching. <laughs> but he did it all on his own. He he is the Carolina Panthers. He is, and the guy is like he has over what eight hundred and something total yards five weeks of the year. He's on pace to break rushing records by Eric Dickerson. He's on pace to break the um, all-time season um, all-purpose yard record. Like the guy is just insane. Ed must be so proud. Who? Ed. Who's Ed? His dad. Oh, Ed McCaffrey. That's his uncle, I think. Oh, no, Ed is his dad. You're right. Yeah. Must be proud. Yeah, I love him. I love watching him play. Did you see that touchdown where he got flipped? Oh, yeah. That was insane. Yeah. And then he, That's going to be on every Carolina Panthers highlight yeah. reel to the end of time. And then he started the game with that 80-something yard run. So he's just... 
He's fucking. He's a fucking beast. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's Johnny. Let's let's uh, switch this up a little bit. Uh, we're getting to the about the halfway point, a little past the halfway point. So let's uh, flip it over to our clip of the week, and we'll wind up talking about the Monday night game uh, a little bit out of order. But I, I think it's time time for a little break. Okay. So uh, enjoy your clip of the week. People question the legitimacy of an undefeated record. I mean, I know it's early in the season, but how does that sit with you, well, you knowing you- how hard you don't. You don't worry about it. You you want you want idiots to sound like idiots, but you you want them to hold their position the whole year. Like don't don't flip flip flop with us. Like like if you said we weren't gonna make it, you said we were some way early on. Just stick with that position. Hold it. Don't don't try to give us credit now. Don't try to give us credit now. Just stick. If you had us ranked 25, keep us ranked 25. If you had us going home early, if you had us going three and three and whatever, have us going three and whatever. You know what I mean? At least stick by your word, because I want you to sound like an idiot at the end. You know, we know we got in the building. We knew the talent that we had. We knew the talent that Kyle and John put together. We knew the defense that Salah ran um, was effective. Obviously, Kyle has had a ton of success on offense. High Tower does a great job in special teams. We knew the talent and, and what we could do. We just got to be consistent. You know, you got a young team. It's about teaching them how to win. It's about teaching them how to win in tough games. Like last, the last game we played was a tough win. You know, you have five turnovers. You got to learn how to win those games. That's championship football, learning how to win those games. Then you got to learn how to win these games. Monday night, spotlight. But you don't treat it any different. Every game is a championship game. You don't play up to the competition. You don't play down to it. You show up every week and you execute to the best of your ability. And that's what our team is getting better at. And that's what you appreciate. You, you, don't, you can't worry about the outside noise because, because one day they'll love you, one day they'll hate you, the next week they'll love you again. And then the next week, guess what? They're ready to burn you down and put pitchforks in you. So you, don't, you can't worry about that. You can't let that dictate your emotion or your mood. All right, and we're back. Uh, Richard Sherman letting the haters have it. Yeah. All right, so I, I got to admit. I I'm, love it. I'm one of the haters. I'm in. Real. You know what I noticed with the Niners last night? What was that? This is the difference. Speed. Speed, speed, speed. That's what they've done. That's what Shanahan has done. He's accumulated all this speed. All the running backs are fast as hell. The receivers, Goodwin and Pettis, are fast as hell. Kittle, the tight end, is fast. And the defense with Bosa is super fast. That team is had they've accumulated all this speed and that's what they are and that's how they're gonna shock the NFL this year is with the speed. And they're not asking Jimmy G to do too much except control uh, control the game, you know, kinda manage the game. They're not asking him to overextend himself and rely on his arm too much. They wanna run the ball, they're creative running the ball with their z- creative zone run scheme. Um, which is the famous Shanahan way of running the ball, and it works. Um, they're very creative with it. And, man, the speed. That's thats what stood out to me last night, watching the dismantling uh, that the Niners put on the Browns last night was the final score, 31-3. to And it wasn't even that close. And Baker Mayfield, holy cow, that team he is in trouble. He looks terrible. He's, he's Johnny Manziel part He's two. not done, though. He's not. I won't say that he's done because... They need to, the NFL needs to step in and fire Freddie Kittens. Freddie Kittens is, is is destroying this team. And it's not his fault particularly just because he coached four guys last year. He coached a running backs team that had four guys. Or he was the running backs coach for four guys last year. And now he coaches a team of 53 and he just has too much on his plate. He doesn't know what to do with it. He wants to uh, run the offense and... Yeah, they lead the league in penalties, and the offensive line is terrible, and 
Baker Mayfield looks terrible as a result, but I don't think he's completely finished. I just think that they need, they're going to have to fix the coaching problem how much, fast. How much did you love Bosa mocking Baker Mayfield's flag planting? I, I enjoyed it. That was a great celebration. I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> the Niners were, were fun to watch because of the speed, and the speed is one thing that... You know, it, it that can separate you in the NFL if you have it all over, and they have it all over, all I, over. I know we're not doing it uh, today, but for real or not for real, Jimmy G. He's twelve and two as a starter, man. I mean, I don't think he is like he's not the most exciting quarterback in the world, but when he starts, they win. All right. So real. Okay. All right, so yeah, that was that was something. And the Browns, the thing with the Browns is that, like I said before, they have the talent. The talent is there, and they're only going to be getting more talent when Kareem Hunt comes back November 10th or whatever it is. It's the coaching, and, you know, they figured it out, and they, they ran the ball against Baltimore the week before, and, you know, they limited the downfield throws, but... So the second week in a row, or no, no, for yeah, the second week in a row, Odell Beckham only had two catches for twenty-seven yards, and you could tell he was not have enjoying himself on the sidelines yesterday, and that's so that's this isn't going to go well, you know. How many more? You think that he's going to be fine with catching thirty-two, being on pace for thirty-two catches this year? <laughs> thirty-two catches in the season? No, that's not going to work for him. <laughs> He's a playmaker. They got to find ways to get him the ball, you know. At the line of scrimmage, you know, and, and figure something out, scheme something, because the, whatever they're doing, it's not working, and I don't know. I, I worry about the Browns. I've been worried about them from the get-go. Everyone anointed them. And I, I said, hold, hold your horses, Freddy Kittens. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of holding your horses, uh, they let the Texans go, and the Falcons continue to get their buttholes worked on, giving up 53 points. So this is kind of a race. Game. Which coach do you think gets fired first? Falcons coach, head coach Dan, Dan Quinn. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, that happened. But let's say next. So is it going to be Falcons coach Dan Quinn? Because things are falling off the rails fast in Atlanta. Um, we might have been mentioning it the last few weeks. and Or Freddie Kittens. Who goes first? Dan Quinn or Freddie Kittens? Dan Quinn, definitely, because they they just fired a coach in Cleveland. But this isn't working. This is bad. That was a national embarrassment last night. It is is bad, but I I think you got to give him, you know, you got to give him a full season at least. Okay. Um, On the flip side, wow, Texans. I'm a little nervous about the Texans. They didn't allow any sacks for the first time all year long. And look what it enabled Deshaun Watson to do. Deshaun Watson put up... Who have they beat, though? I mean, for me, it's not what they who they beat. Because, you know, like the Patriots haven't beat anyone, but the Texans... Yeah, but I mean, but that's, that's the, the a Texans different thing not allowing together. any sacks is big. When, when Watson... Has a clean pocket. He does this. 28 of 33 for 426 yards and five touchdowns and a perfect passer rating. So that is those are MVP-type numbers. It, you know, he's not getting sacked nine times a game like he did a couple weeks ago. And Will Fuller, 14 catches for 217 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, who's done, where's DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, he had seven for 88. 
So go ahead, Keon Hopkins, and look at what Will Fuller can do. And now the next thing they got to start working on is running the ball because they, they're not running the ball as much as you would like to see a winning team do. But for me, this was kind of a statement that the Texans are for real. Texans okay. and the Niners, real. Hmm. For now. All right. Uh, moving into more questions about for realness. Denver at the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, what the hell is going on with the Chargers? I don't know. I, I mean, to the 0-4 Broncos at home, 20-13. to Granted, the L.A. Chargers home field advantage is shit because they play in a soccer stadium, but still, to allow this Broncos team that looks like they can't do anything well, including play defense, <laughs> like, how... How does this happen? And I don't really know. I didn't get to watch much of the game. But I do know that Cortland Suttons is breaking out as a stud receiver for the Broncos. He had another touchdown in this game. Uh, Philip Lindsay is solid. Flacco is whatever. He's Joe Flacco. We all know what that is. But on the flip side, I, I just feel like the Chargers are... I, I don't know what they are. Why did Keenan Allen only have four catches for 18 yards in this game? But And Melvin Gordon, 12 runs for 31 yards... So this makes me feel very good about heading into next week. Uh, given the the defense that we have, uh, I feel like we can mitigate a lot of their offense, and clearly they're going to let up points. If so Denver's last year, Keenan so. Allen had an insane game against the Steelers, right? That mm-hmm. was he, he went off in that game because they just let him keep catching balls. So I wonder if Keenan Allen bounces back in a big way this week. We'll see. Well, we'll get into that in our next segment with the predictions. Uh, But getting back to last week's predictions, man, you had Dallas uh, minus three and a half. This was one of our contested picks. And I predicted that the Green Bay Packers would win by more than two possessions. And God damn it, if they didn't win by two possessions, 34 to 24... The Cowboys were pathetic. Holy shit. Marty needs to be here to explain himself because uh, this was an embarrassment. They were down 31-3. to It was bad. It was, was really bad. fucking bad. After, and after the ugly performance at the Saints on primetime the week before, you would think that... They would have had a bounce back game. Right. And Dak, after the game, had this quote saying, I, I think that we sniffed ourselves a little too much, is what Dak said after the game. And what you just lost the week before. What are you sniffing? <laughs> so in the three teams you beat before that are not good. So I don't know. This was pretty embarrassing. Aaron Rodgers didn't even need to uh, get look at the game on here. Sorry, that was a mistake. But Aaron <laughs> Rodgers didn't even need to throw the ball. He only had 238 yards passing, no touchdowns. This was Aaron Jones's homecoming. He's from the Dallas area. He went to college at TCU and he scored four rushing touchdowns in this game and had 182. Total yards, so this was basically Aaron Jones just running roughshod all over that vaunted Cowboys defense. And what I've noticed as far as Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, and the Cowboys go and their play calling goes, he was good to start the year, and he has a good system, but he's not able to adjust. And when the Saints last week were running their defensive schemes, they were running kind of, um, they were mixing up their defensive schemes and running... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, stunts on the defensive line. 
they didn't adjust to that. And similarly, the Packers noticed what the Saints were doing, mixing it up defensively, kind of hiding their, their coverages and mixing their schemes on a lot of defensive front. And Kellen Moore is not able to adjust at all. And he needs if he's going to be a good offensive coordinator in this league, you have to be able to adjust in game. If you can't mm-hmm. adjust in game, then you're not going to be a successful offensive coordinator. And the other thing is, Run the ball with Zeke, please. That's what yeah. you. That I mean, if you're, if you're rooting for the Cowboys, this is what you do well. The Cowboys win when Zeke rushes the ball for 75 or more yards in a game. You establish Zeke and you win the game and let Dak kind of pass off that. And when you start going into the game and Dak's passing the ball, passing the ball, passing the ball, and yes, he put up good numbers and should and yeah. the receivers put up good numbers, but. That's not the way the Cowboys win. It hasn't been the way the way that the Cowboys win with Dak and Zeke. It's just been proven time and time again. And then they fell behind huge in this game. And then they had no choice but to pass. But the way that they're going to win is just keep feeding Zeke early and run that clock and ball and, and time of possession. The Cowboys are best when they're playing from ahead with the lead. And when they get behind in games like this, you can see it goes down pretty quick. And they're not able to come back. So, pretty ugly. Yeah, and... The score doesn't even um, doesn't even demonstrate really how badly that the Cowboys played either because there is on on that final drive that or one of the final drives that uh, the Cowboys had there were three plays in a row where there was a turnover first it was a fumble got called back due to a penalty and then there was an interception got called back due to a penalty, and the very next play was another interception. And it's just like, just choking in big moments three times in a row. Well, and then, so it was 34-24, to 24 and the Cowboys were driving it down with um, under two minutes to go, and Brett Maher, go, they're bringing Brett Maher to kick a, because they needed a field goal and a touchdown to tie it, they're bringing Brett Maher to kick a 34-yard field goal, and, and, he, sh- and he shanks it right. Well, no, their first... First, there was a uh, a penalty, like a false start or something like that, a pre-snap penalty, and moved the kick back five five yards, and yeah, then he missed I mean, it. But still, <laughs> so thirty-four yard kick. To- total are, fucking shit. Show. These are kicks that you make. Yeah, and if you're an NFL kicker, but not anymore. I guess. Absolutely. All right, and then uh, moving along, we don't need to. Harp anymore on how bad the Cowboys suck. But the Packers look good. Packers do look good. Aaron Rodgers looks awfully good. I hope he doesn't want another one. Anyways, uh, moving along. Indianapolis heading into Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs 11-point favorites. And holy fucking shit. Jacoby Brissett looks like he can actually drive this offense. Hold your horses here. The the Colts... Lost to the Raiders at home last week, and they lost pretty badly to the Raiders at home the week before. They they were embarrassed, and they came out in this game. And all they did was they copied the Patriots' game plan from the AFC Championship game in last year. They played keep, oh, right. keep you away. Got all, you got all fired up about this. They this was they keep the ball away from Mahomes. They held the ball for thirty seven minutes, um, and they they hit Mahomes, and they they kept him inside the pocket. They made him a pocket passer. And then they ran the ball on him, and they just kept pounding the ball and pounding the ball and pounding the ball. And Jacoby Brissett ran in for a touchdown, and then they they hit their field goals. But everyone's giving credit to Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, saying 
he's devised the game plan to beat the Chiefs and Mahomes. No, they copied the Patriots game plan to a T. Exactly to a T. So, hey, hold your horses. So I just feel like, all right, let's... And then, here's a th- can I just say, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, because this bothered me. I wake up Monday mornings, and I turn on the TV to watch the highlights, and I turn on the show, the ESPN show, Get Up, with Mike Greenberg in the morning. And I get this Dan Orlovsky, former backup quarterback in the NFL, played at UConn, and he's, we go to the, Col- the Colts-Chiefs game. And the Chiefs lost, okay? The Chiefs lost their first game of the year. At home, mind you, to the Colts, 19-13. to Colts, a team that lost at home to the Raiders badly the week before. <laughs> and this is what you hear. His spirals have spirals. He's the most interesting man on the planet. This is stuff you're just not supposed to be able to do. Only guy on the planet type stuff. This happens to be the best player in the league. That's where we're at with this guy. Stuff that is absolutely unseen before. All these quotes from one person within the first nine minutes of their two-hour show. The Chiefs lost, and Mahomes didn't have a good game. Okay? <laughs> this is We're out of hand here. This is insane. They scored 13 points, which is the same number of points the Patriots scored the previous week at Buffalo. And then we get um, from the other guy, Pat McAfee on the show, who says... His famous quote for the Monday morning show this week, the Colts will win the Super Bowl this year. Mark my words. Well, he's a he's a former Colts player. Come on. It's just like come where where are we going here? This we're out of control, okay? <laughs> to be to be fair, I I do listen to a lot of Pat McAfee. I listen to both of his podcasts. The um, the Pat McAfee show and also Heartland Radio. And uh, he does Give it up to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Okay. So this is this is the Colts will win if the Patriots don't win, which I think okay. we're all we're all. Did you watch that Colts Chiefs game? How many times do you think Chris Collinsworth had to change his pants that night? <laughs> At least five, right? He cream it, cream was creaming himself all night long over Patrick Mahomes, and he was so bitter about how the Chiefs didn't get the ball in overtime. And I swear the FBI will be checking his computer after that after that performance that he had that night to look for Mahomes porn. <laughs> <laughs> and then at ten o'clock, I turn on first take and I see that uh, Max is still at it with his uh, Brady is clearly diminished even compared to last year. This is game managing Tom Brady at his finest. Going back back to Patrick Mahomes now. Do you know that Patrick Mahomes is now two and six in primetime games, but he is sixteen and zero in one p.m. games? Do we have the next Cincinnati Bengals on our hands here? Hmm. Two and six in primetime, sixteen and zero during one p.m. And my last note for the week: Patriots now have the best point differential through five games. Um, since the 1999 Rams, their point differential is plus 121. The 99 Rams were at plus 123 through five games. Oh. Oh, you know what? I got a I got a stat I never threw out there that I uh, had saved in the old noodle to throw out you, Johnny. Did you know that Devlin Hodges is the first undrafted rookie? to have multiple completions in a single game for the Steelers since 1977. All right. I feel good about it, man. All right, Devlin. Your time. 
Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the week that was. Johnny, you went uh, nine and seven on the week? No, there weren't 16 games last week. Ooh, all right, well, then I lied about the number you lost. You won nine games because those are the only ones I did tallies for. Fifteen games last week. So nine and six is what you went. But ten and five in my, my home pool. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Our pool. The one the one we're in. And I got far, sharper as the week went on. As far as contested picks, um, we went... You went three... And two, so I got two right. I got I called the uh, Indianapolis at Kansas City and Green Bay at Dallas uh, on the year so far. Between Marty and myself, you are at eight and nine. Not good. So uh, as far as contested picks go, Marty and I have nine uh, that we've called against you. Uh, and you have eight that uh, you've proven. What a genius genius you are, but let, let's not forget who, uh, when the money's on the line, who's usually bringing home the W. I'm, I'm glad that we actually, that we stopped doing the, my usual $100 donation to your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> and we've like devolved into this other league where it's only a $25, $25. buy-in. I feel much better about that. And I'm in third place, so... Softer. Okay, going into the week that is... Johnny, I'm excited about week six. Yeah, no, it's a good week of games. I, I like it. The week seven doesn't look so good, so enjoy your week six, especially some of the one o'clock games. Alrighty, and getting into the week that is to be, we have your Patriots on short rest on a Thursday night. Well, the last two weeks we've won with the road teams, um, but I'm not gonna go a third time this week. I'm gonna. It looks like Saquon's out this week, and Sterling Shepard is out with a concussion, and Evan Graham, Evan Engram is now hurt, and Gallman is out, the backup running back. So I don't know who the Giants are gonna use to play besides Daniel Jones. So I'm going Patriots minus sixteen and a half here. Yeah, I mean that seems like the obvious choice. The Pats have been blowing up the ass. Of the entire league and blowing these, frankly, ridiculous lines out of the water. It's not even close. You're not even sweating a 22-point line. It's, At some point, the competition gets tougher. I'm just not sure. I think that that is like week 10 or 11. We'll see. I just don't understand how the league can hand the Patriots, as they are currently formed, like... The best we've ever seen them, really, as far like structurally, it's not relying on any talent. It's all just Tom, Bill, and the plan, and uh, they just have such a cupcake schedule. I don't, I don't understand how the, how the it's, league. It's a system. It's a it's a computer that spits out the schedule, and it's a format. It's a, it's a strict format. So it's nothing that anybody's doing. Saying, "Hey, have this easy schedule." It's just what the. Every year, you know, where you where you finish the that year determines your schedule the next year. So if you finish in AFC East number one, then you have a specific schedule. So I don't, it's just the way it is. Well, their fucking algorithm sucks because... Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's been easy. It's been a lot very easy this year. All right. Uh, in London, K- 
Carolina. Wake up early, 9.30 a.m. on Sunday. At Tampa, the line is minus two Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go with the Christian McCaffrey's minus two. The Kish. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to argue with that. Um, we'll see what happens with... Uh, I, I feel like the... Overseas game really messed with the uh, the Bears this week. Yeah, uh, we'll see how. Although, could you see Winston having a big game because you know Winston Churchill in in London? You know what I mean, Winston, Winston. Oh, I can see some kind of like narrative with that. Like, oh man, hashtag bad headlines. Bad headlines, but we'll see. All right, Seattle going into Cleveland. Desperate for a bounce back game. I just can't see this being it. Seattle's getting a point and a half. Yeah, why? Shouldn't Seattle be minus four in this game? I hate this. This makes me feel like I have to take Cleveland here. Because if you watched that game last night, and a lot of people did, how can you bet on Cleveland against Seattle? Especially if you know Seattle's 4-1, and the way they just played against the Rams. How can you basically even line say that the Browns are going to win this game? Well, I think they're saying that the Browns are going to have a redemption game at home. Do you agree with that? I'm waiting till you pick. Oh, come on. I'm going Seahawks, man. Okay. Everything I know about football that I that I've seen so far this year and what I know tells me that the Seahawks are a, a good bet and to be honest with you, it's like the Rams were at that Sunday night game at Cleveland. I thought they were a, a great bet and I would would have bet a house mortgage on that game. And I kind of feel similar about this game, but it scares me. Yeah, so to be completely honest, I thought you were going to pick Cleveland in this game. and Because of the way it sets up, And right? I was very prepared to take Seattle's. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to stick... I'm going to... I'm just going to go against you here, and we'll call this a contested pick. All right. It's just that I feel good fading Cleveland, and I feel good taking Seattle in this game. It yeah. makes me feel good. But, of course, that's how you lose. <laughs> All right. Houston. Uh, heading, I love this game. Heading I into Kansas City. This is going to be an electric game. Houston's got a lot to prove. Uh, Kansas City uh, just off a tough loss. Uh, how do you, Kansas City's giving up four and a half points here. Uh, how do you see it all going down? I'm going with the Watsons, man. Houston Texans plus four and a half. Going Watsons to keep the Chiefs on their skid. Start a, a skid, you know. How many points they? The over under is only fifty five. I would expect there to be like seventy points in this game. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to contest this as well. I can't see Kansas City not just blowing the doors off and, and have you know everybody's uh, predicting that there's trouble in pra- paradise and that Patrick Mahomes is overrated. And this offense is overrated. and The defense is bad. The defense, well, that's true. That is true. The defense is bad, but they can put up more uh, points than they did last week, and I, th- I think they pull it out. Okay. That'll be a good game, though. Like, I mean, the game of the week is 1 o'clock on Sunday. Yep. Uh, next we have the Washington Racists at uh, the Miami Dolphins. Washington's only getting uh, three and a half points They're here. They're minus three and a half. They're giving three and a half. Or, excuse me. It, well, it's the loser bowl. Um, one of these teams... I'm taking the home dog, man. You think Miami pulls this out and well, Washington they, they remains They can lose defeated. by three. They can, if I take the Miami 
plus three and a half. <laughs> they right. can lose by three. They totally win by th- or lose by three. That's how it goes. And Washington just fired their coach. Maybe they rally. I, I, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of dysfunction in Washington. Not that there isn't in Miami, but at least Miami. All right, so I've, he- I've heard some rumors about Washington firing Jay Gruden. They're looking. At Tomlin. Yes, I did hear that. No chance in hell that's happening unless he wants out to go, I don't know, watch his son play college football. Like, how does that make sense? Um, Playing for Dan Snyder seems like, or coaching for Dan Snyder is probably one of the worst jobs in America. Also, the other guy that that I heard of, though, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, the former Colorado Buffaloes running back. Bieniemy. Yeah. But how well does I mean it hasn't really worked out great for Nagy, in in Chicago. So, but you're right. I keep hearing Bieniemy's name too. Okay. So I'm going Dolphins plus three and a half. Dolphins yeah. plus three and a half. I'm agreeing okay. with you. All right. All right. Go. But they're but we also agree that they're going to lose this I game. I don't know. I think they might win, but I think they're going to lose this game. Okay, uh, F- Philadelphia at Minnesota. Minnesota is giving up three points. Hmm. Can we s- just not do this game? <laughs> you got to pick something. It's a tough one. It is tough. Well, I'm going to go Eagles plus three. Yeah, I was really hoping that you would pick Minnesota and I'd be able to go against that, but I just think that the Eagles can stop the run, which is what the Vikings want to do, mm-hmm. or at least contain it. And then will Minnesota throw the ball to take advantage of Philly's weakness? Because Philly's weakness has always been, you know, throwing the ball down the field. It's always been that way since, you know, Des Bryant was torching them with the Cowboys years ago. So I, I just don't think the Vikings will do it. They don't want to do it. They want to run the ball. So I feel like they'll be stubborn and try to run run their heads into a brick wall over and over and over again, and the and the Eagles will capitalize, and Carson Wentz will make enough plays. Um, I think, you know, it, it's not going to be a high-scoring game. What's the over-under? 44? Right. So, I think they're right on there. I think it'll be around 44 total points in this game. Mm. And I thought, yeah, John, Eagles. Can, can you explain to me what makes sense about running the ball on first down? So what you want to do, nothing. That's old school football. What you, I mean, unless you're the Cowboys. But what you want to do is what the Patriots do is they, they pass to run. So they get the lead by passing the ball, and then they run the ball. You know, that's mm-hmm. what you to want to do clock. in today's NFL. Right. <sighs> All right. New Orleans going into Jacksonville with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Favorited right? by a point and a half. Right? What in the fuck is happening What's here? What's happening here? This is another one. This seems like it's going to be a rough week for betters. Because the betters are going to take the Seahawks at Cleveland. The betters are going to take the Saints at Jacksonville. And something's up here. Um, but I'm going, to be, I'm going to go ahead and continue to play the sucker here. I'm going to go Saints plus one and a half. Okay. And I'm going to contest that and say Mustache Magic, Gardner Minshew... Uh, can at least lose by a point. Basically, it's basically saying that Jacksonville's gonna win this game, and I, I don't, I don't know. Quick segue: Do you think Gardner Minshew keeps the job next year? It's appearing that way. Yeah, he is lighting it up. Yeah. I mean, he's not necessarily winning, but it's not necessarily he's. I mean, you his make fault a receiver named DJ Chark Jr. 
a bona fide stud receiver in the DJ NFL. DJ Chuck, do 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 do. Then yeah, DJ you get Chuck. you get the job. Yeah. All right, uh, Cincinnati, keeping their losing tour going, uh, into Baltimore. Baltimore is giving up eleven and a half points. I'll go ahead and just circle B A L here, and we can move. No, on. I like Cincy plus eleven and a half. What? Yep, I do. Cincinnati always plays Baltimore tough. Always. You're, you're right, they do, but I. I just can't see. I get it. I get it, but they always. This they, is a division so, game. They like Tampa Bay at New Orleans last week. This is a game where you're like. But since he has an offense, so. Baltimore. So. Contest me. Their, their last game, Baltimore's last game, was basically a loss. It was basically a tie. You know, they, they technically won on mm-hmm. the score sheet, but that yeah. feels like a loss. They got lit up by the Steelers in a way they didn't think they were going yeah. to. On top of a, to- uh, a tough loss the week before from the Browns, I think they're going to be... They're going to smell blood in the water. And they I don't know, think that they Baltimore know. is good enough to be an 11.5-point favorite over anyone in this league. Except for Miami. <laughs> or Washington. I think, I think they're going to spank that ass. All right, I'm going to... As much as I hate to bet on Baltimore, you know that pains me. Yep. Uh, well, you think I like betting on Cincinnati? <laughs> All right, I'll contest that. Uh, did not leave myself a lot of room. I only got two left to contest. We still have six games to go. Uh, yeah. uh, San Francisco. Heading into the Los Angeles Rams. So you're going to have to watch football all day on Sunday. Rams minus three and a half. Because you have the what? The one o'clock Texans Chiefs and then a four o'clock you have the for real 49ers at the for real Rams. Rams are minus three and a half. I'm going Rams minus three and a half. Okay. But I like think the 49ers are for real. But this is a tough spot for them. All right. Short week, going on the road to the Coliseum. The Rams have had extra days to prepare. They've almost they've had ten days to prepare because they had the Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost two in a row. The Rams have, so they they need this to stay in that division fight. The Rams cannot lose this game. If they lose this game, they're not. They can't win the division. Right. So they need to win this game. Uh, the question is, do they do it by more than three points? I'm going to say yes. I think the line is set up where they're going to sucker the Niners betters, people who saw the 49ers play, so they'll get the 49ers money and the Rams cover. All right. Atlanta going into Arizona, another battle of the losers. Uh, Atlanta's giving up two and a half here. Oh, man. Atlanta is just on a fast decline. So I think there'll be a lot of points in this game. The over-under is 51.5, so that's high. Uh, the question is, does Atlanta win? Yeah, I'm going to go Atlanta, minus 2.5. I'll try to salvage something out of their season. Mm-hmm. Okay, next we have Tennessee. And if they don't, Quinn's fired next week. Let's, oh, let's say that. bold prediction. Yeah. If they if- don't win this game at Arizona and they lose, and they're 1-5, bye-bye Dan Quinn. All right, if ATL loses, Quinn gets fired. You heard it here first. Other people are probably saying that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We have the Tennessee Titans heading to the Mile High City, and the Broncos are going to be given up two and a half in this game. This is another tricky spot. Um, 
Denver off that win over the Chargers. Titans. I like the Titans plus two and a half. Yeah. Titans have to finish eight and eight, right? So if they go three, if they're three and three, they're on their way to eight and eight. Okie dokie. Then we have the much maligned Dallas Cowboys limping their way into MetLife Stadium. Wow, they're only a seven-point favorite. But Darnold's back this week. He hasn't thrown a football in three weeks. He's been, I don't know, at home binge-watching Gilmore Girls or something. I don't know what you do when you have mono. I'm going Dallas minus seven here. Okay. Bounce back. I I hate to be contrarian. And take the Jets. I get it. And take the... You also hate to take the Jets. But... Part of me just wants to watch the Dallas Cowboys go down in flames. So I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and contest this. Sorry, Marty. And... Uh, so I think... Nesto's I think the got Jet- Jets plus seven. I think... Yeah, it's not a bad place to be. I think the Jets cover at least. Like I could see, I could see Dallas having a terrible game, and win and winning by a field goal at the end. Okay. Okay, Uh, the Sunday night game, Johnny. Do you know how much I love Sunday night games so that I can watch it in my bed on my (laughs) NBC Sports app instead of being at the fucking bowling alley? With all the weirdos in Brattleboro. So you're going to love this game, but your Steelers, 1-4 and four at Chargers, 2-3. and three. Chargers are minus 7 here. I love the Steelers all day on that I minus 7. I do, yeah. too. I, I, I agree. I'm, I, that's, a, that's a bet that I really like. Especially seeing the way Hodges was moving the ball, the ball up the field. It's a wager I like. Plus 7. It's one of my favorite picks of the year. Great. All right, you heard it. Bet your house. No, it's one of my favorite bets of the year. Don't bet your house. (laughs) (laughs) Pull out the deeds. (laughs) Okay, and finally, on Monday night, Detroit at Lambeau Field with Green Bay. Um, What the hell is it? There it is. Green Bay giving up four and a half. Detroit plus four and a half. Oh, I'm so glad you chose that because I love Aaron Rodgers here. I think it's it's big dick Aaron time. It's time for him to earn that mustache in all of the uh, national media graphics. So uh, I, I, I I have my reasons on this game. It's a division game, um, and then in these prime time spots, wherever the heavy money is, and the heavy money is clearly going to be on the Packers because they're. A national favorite team at home Monday right. night, coming off the big win over the Cowboys. Nobody's going to bet on the freaking Lions, but it's a division game. The Lions always play the Packers tough, whether it's in Green Bay or it's in Detroit. The, mm. the Lions and Stafford play Green Bay tough. You know, uh, Rodgers has needed some Hail Marys to beat them in the past. So, And those were on some of the, the Packers' best teams. So I feel really good about this pick, too. I like Detroit plus four and a half here. All right, sounds I good, Johnny. I think Green Bay wins, but maybe by a field goal. Huh. Okay. okay. Well, that uh, that wraps us up for today. Um, and we look forward to doing another one next week. Johnny, this is my favorite time of year. 
It is good. I walked in, you had playoff baseball going, and there really is nothing like playoff baseball. Every pitch counts. The crowd is just fucking nuts Gassed. for it. Uh, Tampa Bay, at this current moment, is winning Owning four to nothing, blowing up every pitcher they got. It's just un- unbelievable to watch. So We're headed to the top of the seventh. Tampa's up 4 nothing. Looks like there's going to be a game five on Thursday with Garrett Cole against either uh, Glass now or Snell or maybe some combination. Oh, fuck. Good thing the Pirates got rid of those guys. Yeah. Working out for them. All right, you can bother us on Facebook at Green Mountain Sports, Green MT Sports. You can bother Johnny on Twitter at Green MT Grinder, Green Mountain Grinder on Twitter. And you can also get at us on Instagram at Green Mountain Sports. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again next time.